welcome to the Feisty Faith Podcast. Because this faith journey wasn't meant to be boring, I'm your host, Cassie Rywich. We're here to have real talk that might not line up with safe answers and soft Christianity. We come in good faith and we're uncensored with the breaking all the rules kind of conviction. We might challenge socially accepted church norms and be offensive to some. If you found your voice a bit large for your community or you're looking for the extra in ordinary, we've saved you a seat. Pull up a chair, take us on the go. But either way, my friend, I want you to get comfy and join the conversation. Lastly, the price for admission here is free because freely you have received, so freely you are given. All right, welcome. This is the first episode of the first series. And it's going to be conversations with my dad. I'm really excited. I couldn't really start this off when I'm thinking, when I was thinking about how I wanted to do this first year. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't start it without him. For whatever reason, it just, it just wasn't working. So, I have um, labeled this first series conversations with my dad, reflections on a 40-year journey through the desert. It's going to have four episodes with him and we're going to be building on what uh this journey through the desert has really looked like um we're looking at these two verses for this for this first episode uh, who christ sets free is free indeed and then of course my dad added through our talking he added but there is a journey and then not that we want to add to the bible but there is a journey in that freedom and then number two For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, 12. All right, so before I dig in a little bit more, I want to introduce you to my father. I call him dad. Other people are going to know him as Mel Stotts. Dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Cass. I consider it an honor of the times we've gone through that you would bring me for your first guest. I thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, And I'm excited you said yes. That makes me happy. Makes me a happy girl. Because there for a second, I thought maybe you could say no, but you didn't. And so we get to we get to have this time and kind of see where where it goes. Okay, so in the conversations with my dad, uh, a 40-year journey through the desert, as I've been building on what I want this to look like, and because this podcast really is for women on their faith journey uh, and on their feisty faith journey, I really wanted it to be about father-daughter, and I want it to point back to the family. Uh, but really the, the father-daughter relationship, when, when God started to do a really digging in and doing a deep work in me, he took me back to my relationship with my father, uh, my earthly father, uh, and then also with my mother. And he unpacked a lot of those things that could begin to really iron out. So that's going to be a little bit about what this first episode is and also just bringing in my dad. I know not everyone has a father to have these conversations with. And I don't know where you're at or your family is at in their faith journey, uh, but we are going to be speaking to really the, the remnant. There are people out there that God has kept. He's kept them. 
and those are his chosen elect and those are are his people uh, those remaining in christ we're also going to be speaking to those who have fallen asleep or they feel like they're just waking up from this deep spiritual slumber those who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness but maybe they're feeling a little bit stuck in that place and so we're hoping that we're able to offer some encouragement to those who have longed to hear from the father but have come maybe become a little weary in their race and also just shining a little bit of light on the way that the lord has worked with us so there's been a few things that we've identified in um in the themes i know that sanctification has been a huge thing how he has brought us into a place of more freedom and really understanding the renewing of the mind redeemer he is our redeemer and i have really felt that i think my dad has in his own journey he is our healer. I think we have no, been able to identify that in emotional healing and wounds and trauma and stuff like that, but also generational things that we have brought down through the line of our family. And um, God is a great storyteller. I love how he does that. So as we dig in, we're going to be asking some questions. I'm going to be asking my dad some questions. Uh, but we're hoping as we have evolved in our story, right? My dad is in his early 70s. I'm in my mid 40s. As the Lord has revealed this storyline to us, we hope that this story is not only re a reflection of his glory in our lives, but that if you've been having some questions, if you have uh, just really been looking for where his hand at is on, in your life, we're hoping that this sheds some light on that okay at the very end we have a challenge for you uh, and so we're gonna be dropping that at the very end as we wrap up so hang on because this this is gonna just be growing uh, evolving through it all right so dad before we dive in and ask you some questions I want to just kind of lay these these pieces here uh, you my dad came into the marriage and my mom came into the marriage my Dad, you didn't have, uh, really hadn't been brought up in the faith, really. Is that right? None at all. I, I had no concept of Jesus Christ, the need for salvation or anything. I can remember your short story. When your mom and I were first dating, she slid into the car one day and all her beauty, the long flowing blonde hair, the perfect lipstick on her lips, and she asked me a simple question. What do you think about Jesus? I responded, and I look back at this at, at many times, the response, and I said, well, I think he lived. And I thought a little bit, and I said, I don't know, maybe he came here in a spaceship, I don't know. That was my concept of church, God, Jesus Christ, in a nutshell. I believed he lived, maybe because I'd heard it my whole life. And then I threw that in, which I think is strange now. Where did that thought even come from? Maybe he came in a spaceship. Yeah. Huh. Strange. So that's pretty much what I was birthed into, uh, except for my mother. She had that question because she had been taken to church her mom was had got saved around 19 that was my grandma and my great grandma at some point i believe did although i never really got to know but from word of mouth that she um was was saved to the extent i don't 
No. Uh, but that would have put my mom at the third generation of having household conversations representing Jesus. Now, um, so that's just a little bit of the background. And I, and I think it's important because we want you guys to be thinking about your position in the body of Christ and what the lineage looks like and what your family line looks like, how much you, you guys have cleaned house or not cleaned house, and that dialogue that you um, have been born into. All right, so we, I, I kind of think our family starts back, Dad, at the Yellow House. I know that we had some other times and places, but when all we, we lived in this little yellow house, and it's been this theme in our life, homes and having them or not having them. But I remember really my my first feeling of, of home, even though I do have a memory of another place, but was this little yellow house in East Texas that my parents had bought. And it was nestled in on, I don't know, 30 acres of, or so. Uh, and that's where I remember gathering in the home. I had a very peaceful place. You kind of thought it was going to last forever. And uh, my dad, and I think my dad got saved around that time. I'm going to let him clarify that. Uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had community there. We had sweet prayer. Uh, but we were also a lot of broken people. I was little though. Uh, at the beginning of their journey, because that was when my parents were, you know, in their in their 20s or so. So this was the first stages of our family. And I know that you have those first stages of your family um, if you're journeying with us on this conversation. And so we all have that beginning place where the parents are young and the um, or their, the beginning of their parenthood and the children are just coming into that family. All right. So uh, dad, tell me a little bit at the yellow house. Like when did you, were you saved already in the yellow house or before that? Uh, I would say before that, uh, God somehow in his wisdom, his mercy, I, I, how can you describe what happens when the Holy Spirit moves and something happens? It happened. I was at a revival in an East Texas church. I'll go ahead and say it. It was the East Texas Baptist Church. Southern Baptist. Southern Baptist Church. And I think maybe this was the first time ever I had heard what a sinner was and the cure for it. And I remember sitting there in this revival and listening to all that, and I remember thinking, that pastor is talking about me. He is talking about me. Not all these other people in here. He's talking about me. And any of you that are familiar with Southern Baptist churches, maybe all churches, the revival, there's always one more course of music. One more time. Anybody that needs to come, this is the last chance. Well, I took it on the last chance. I come out of that aisle and down. I didn't know what I was doing, but he represented something he was speaking about that I realized the first time in my life that I needed that. I was that bad person, and I was a bad person. And when I accepted Christ, 
this this is a concept I tell people, and I I do have a problem with this, with a lot of Christianity. Is I was changed. I was changed, and I became a new creation. At that time, I knew that. Things fell off of me that are unexplainable. Unexplainable. And that's why I always go back, and people, they wonder about things. Am I saved? Am I not? Why do I do this? But I knew there were boundaries that were no longer accessible. I couldn't go there. Not because I couldn't in a legalistic form. The Holy Spirit would not let me go. I stayed away from my family in California for almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. I was away from all my friends, and the Holy Spirit worked with me. And that was the beginning of salvation. The yellow house that uh, Cassie is referring to, we moved into that maybe a year and a half later. So that was the beginning. Okay, so that's, and that's where I really remember it being sweet. We, um, and I love, I love hearing that, that story in there. Um, he always brings it in a way that I hadn't heard some of it. So, um, so dad, you were basically really a wanderer. Um, little too, you didn't really know much about Jesus. Um, and my mom kind of had a little bit more of a grounding in, in knowledge of that. Um, one thing you, we talked about when one of their prayers, and I think that this prayer was, we've talked about this a lot, was that there was a prayer that was birthed in this little house. And what was that prayer, Dad? Do you remember? It was something about um, your, the, our chi- your children. You wanted your children. You and Mom had a prayer for us. Just in case anyone is wondering here, maybe I'll hesitate a little bit. It's not because I've reached the point where I'm old and senile yet. Hopefully the senile part will never show up. Uh, Moses was still, had his eyesight, was healthy as a horse until he died. I pray the Lord lets me go that way. The reason I said this, this isn't scripted. We have no teleprompters. We are talking heart to heart. So if we jump to another subject all of a sudden, it's because the Holy Spirit moved us, that there's somebody may need this. So we don't have anything in front of us except a microphone. The prayer. The prayer, and, uh, because this is kind of the beginning part. There was a prayer that you and mom had. And, and the prayer was, early on somehow, I tried to absorb every bit of information I could get. I read the Bible consistently. I would stop by a Bible bookstore at least, it seems like at least once a week, and scan through and find a subject that I wanted to know about, and I would read it. 
somehow I came across, and boy, this is a big controversial subject in Christianity, but it was about basically the sins of the forefathers. So I, I read that book and I realized, man, my family, look at that. I have four uncles. One uncle had a lady he lived with, and I believe he had two other wives. I had another uncle that was married, I believe, three times. I had another uncle that was married twice. My dad had, excuse me while I count here, four wives. So you can say that was a family of, you could just about say it wasn't in unison. <laughs> there, was, there was no, basically it was a family of immorality. I, I guess there, there isn't any way to sugarcoat the subject. It was a family of immorality with no commitment to anyone except maybe to their self. So the prayer that you guys had after you picked up that book was um, that you you and mom came together, you guys concentrated and zeroed in on your children being free. That's what you had said. And so based off that book, you had like that how, how awesome that you get, went in and you you came, I mean, and this was in the early 80s and that you went in and you had that book. And so that is where the really the Lord seems like and it, that evolved through our journey was this prayer of really being free and our children being free. And I think what you mentioned one time in conversation as we've been preparing for this was you said that when you brought up, you reminded me of Janis Joplin and you said uh, whether it's if this is holy or not to bring in Janis Joplin and biblical, but you said freedom is another word for nothing left to lose. But in that praying that your children will be free. I think what I heard you say once was, I don't think we realized that even that at salvation, even though Christ came to um, set you free, you there is this balance between walking out that freedom and really being set free of, of, of the bondage and the enslavement or, or really cleaning that out and the, re the renewing of the mind and um, then free upon salvation, and then you know you guys got held with the holy or got filled with the Holy Spirit, and a lot of those gifts began to emerge. But what? And so later on in the episodes, we're going to really talk about what my dad mentioned as far as him dawning on him finally when he got this book. Wow, this is what my spiritual bloodline looks like. This is how it's contaminated. This is how it's manifesting. And he began to have these revelations, really, um, of what that, and he's in his early 20s, mid 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, about at that time. Yeah. And so, but their, and so their prayer, and I remember him always saying this was, Lord, let our children be free. But I think what we're going to be unpacking over this is really the freedom of the parents as well and that first generation. And again, what you come into in the body of Christ um, will impact that journey, will change, and also what God's wanting to do with you. Uh, so I, because I think some of us do, a lot of us do come in with this. 
Uh, and he changes us all differently. Uh, but this but this story, hopefully, again, will reflect those processes and give you some um, feedback on hindsight and maybe moving forward. OK, Dad, we're going to dive in. I know I've had some questions in laying this foundation, and I think that this is really important, again, because we're setting the stage for the, the rest of the series. But now I'd like to, uh, and don't you love that reminded of, uh, um, reminding us of Janice Joplin, freedom is another word for nothing left to lose. And this is something, Dad, you probably don't remember, but I captured it. If you are afraid of losing something, then you are not free. Because freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. And that really is where we are coming from this place of being really broken. And I think that many of us can be broken many times. Um, but that point of surrender, that true point of breaking. Uh, and I loved, I loved those words. I captured them from you. And uh, that's just a little bit of, of some of his wisdom that I'm, I'm getting off that's not scripted. So, uh, okay, Dad. So here's some, I have some questions. We're just gonna go through them. We might not use all of them, but um, we're gonna go through it. And I think one of the first ones is, uh, well, the, we kind of covered that already. What things do you think you carried into the family spiritually through that, through that spiritual kind of bloodline, the things you inherited as a father? So you mentioned the immorality, the selfishness um, that, that the men, carried maybe even your mother carried as well do you have you what has the lord revealed to you or what other things do you think you had and that that passed on to your children i would like to say maybe the most important thing is except for one thing i don't know what the most important thing is i think they were all round wound up in a ball like you little ball of twine you see a cat playing with. I think they were wound up like that. Uh, there was no commitment to anything in my family. I love my mom, I love my dad, but they had no commitment to anything. I don't even think they really had a commitment to each other, which that's the first downfall. There was immorality, you know, they thought nothing of it. Not my mom, but my dad. There was poverty. No planning on anything. No planning, no wondering even what will we do. I remember growing up, and this is a long time ago, but, and this was the topic. Winter's coming. It's going to rain. I won't be able to work. We'll have to borrow money to live till springtime. That was a lifestyle. That's just what they did. That was part of their life. I was not taught any kind of financial security. I was not taught anything of uh, preparing for the future, period. It, it just wasn't there because they didn't know it. Okay, so they had grown up the same way. It was passed down. So you had poverty. You had... Immorality. Immorality. Lack of a commitment. 
Uh, no encouragement. No encouragement. I remember telling my mom one time, I want to go to school. I want to retire by the time I'm 40 years old. And at that time, I wanted to be an attorney. I had a desire to be an attorney. Her response was, I remember she had a long Salem cigarette between her two fingers. And she looked at me and she just kind of laughed and said, you'll never amount to anything. So that's going to be, when you think about your spiritual bloodline and stuff like that, that's going to just be, I don't, I don't really know where that would fit in, it, lack of encouragement, but that impacted you with re- rejection maybe, right? So there was, and, and I know rejection was, was big, abandonment. I know there was, some, there was abandonment with the father because um, grandpa, your, your dad was always kind of pursuing other things. Uh, he just abandoned the family altogether. So there was probably, uh, I know there was addiction. We had an addiction. Yes, alcoholics. Alcoholic. Um, it just addictive personality styles, right? It didn't even have to be, sure, there was alcohol, uh, but there was just this addictive type um, thing that kind of would, would pick up anything, then it would just be addic- addic- addicting. So this is the, these are the types of things that um, in, impacted your renewing of your mind as as a child and of course we've got more advanced in in that but that was what when you opened up that book and started thinking about the generations of the sins of the forefathers how you know lord save let my children be free and yet i think what you are beginning to or you are going to be on a journey because we wound up leaving the yellow house when i was six and this is the 40-year journey of really um sanctifying that and just walking out of it and I call it the 40-year journey because the Israelites you know they came out Moses came in he pulled them out uh, but for 40 years there was this there was this refining it was you stubborn people and he couldn't get you know the Lord just there was just this 400 years they had been with the um with the Egyptians. And so that is all that they knew. And that is all that my father knew. And that is all many of us, uh, depending on what kind of things were in your family that you've got to be uh, renewed in your mind. Okay. So number two, um, what, how did this impact? Because this is speaking to you know, a, a women and, and helping them think through. And so I want to hear and bring in what impact did this have on our relationship? And I want to hear a little bit on what you think as far as raising me. I know I remember a lot of times I would hear you say, well, I'm really hard on you, you Cass, because there was two of us. There was me and there, and there was my sister. And, I, you know, I was definitely the one that acted up the most. My sister would say, well, you, I did too. You just were the one that got caught. I think I was more adamant about my choices that were not in line with the faith mom and dad were trying to bring us up in. And so I would butt heads a lot with mom and dad more. And um, so how would you say this impacted me and you? Because I know my sister's not really here. So, right. 
I've reflected on that a lot, Cass, over the years, and I never had an answer. But this is how the Holy Spirit works. I'm 74. She's 46. I didn't have an answer for that question she's asked until sitting here in this chair now. I believe this to be an inspired word. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me. The reason I was so rough on her, and I remember telling her that I, you know, more than two or three times, you are just like me. My goal in life is not to let you grow up and be like me. And I think what the Lord has just shared with me, if I get a little emotional here, it'll be okay. I'll get over it. I wasn't raising her. I was raising me. When you have a daughter or a son that is the spitting image of you, the question you need, I think now, as I'm pondering this, even as I'm talking, maybe you'll reflect on it too. How would you have wanted to be raised? What would it taken to touch your heart when you were her age see I was raising me I never realized that till now I wanted discipline in my life there was no discipline I wanted discipline I was crying out for it so I was trying to discipline her the way I wanted to be carried that's very important. If you have a son or a daughter or a nephew or someone living in your home that you're responsible for, who are you raising? You raising yourself? Are you raising that child? If you're raising yourself, I think your spirit would be a little more tempered with them. How you would want her to be tempered as you were being raised you would want the love and I love my daughters I loved them to death I still do but I did not realize I was raising me I don't know what that means people I'm having to think this but this is the truth who are you raising I like that I I um I mean, when I reflect on my own, I have you know four girls, and one is is way older. And many times, ac- actually raising, looking at her and raising me, I can really identify with that. Um, and I've been able to teeter between both, but but there's a faulty line on raising me because sometimes it's driven by fear, and so we're we're trying to save them from the mistakes that we made. Or that we, and that we think maybe they would make because they are so much like us, and it, rather than raising them off of what you know, the Lord says, raise the ch- children up in the direction that they should go, and they won't depart from it. And so that that would be more maybe of a faith-based stance on raising them and calling out the truth of of who they are or who they're becoming as He gives revelation and wisdom and understanding on that child 
Um, and because we are so closely knitted together as family and passed down, I did operate like my father. And so how would that have looked if he would have maybe had really more understanding and wisdom and insight at that time to understand I'm calling out this girl, I'm calling her out and she's going to be, you know, but that takes divine insight it takes walking close with the Holy Spirit and it, it takes having become healed your, yourself in that way. And so this is where we're talking about the freedom and the renewing and the growth, especially within that first generation. And yet you could be third or fourth generation because that never took place in the beginning, right? And so we don't want to become proud and be like, oh, well, I'm fourth generation. You know, I've been sitting in this church or this wherever or whatever, and we've been sitting. But if you've not dug in and allowed the Holy Spirit to do that laborious work, um, then we're, we're continuing to just walk it all out. Okay, Dad, we're at 33 minutes in. I really like this question here. We'll see how many more we can get to. But when you drove away from the yellow house in Diana, what do you think you were heading out? Again, because there was this time where he had got saved. We moved into the yellow house. The Lord was just really, you know, he was devouring all this stuff. The Lord was downloading uh, in him just a lot about, um, he was in a lot of, in, in Acts, Hebrews. If you look at his Bible, it is all tore up in the Old Testament. Uh, from back then at this time where he sat at the father's feet. Then we leave the yellow house. And I think that to me is like the beginning of this desert, this 40 year desert. Um, I, he kind of doesn't remember, but I remember this point where we, we were living in Las Vegas. And I remember hearing, cause God has always spoken to me, um, even when I wasn't in line, but I would always have to go back to Moses setting the Egyptians free, go, uh, you know, the fight that they had to get, and then the Egyptians going in in this 40-year desert and what was going on during that time, that 40 years, and then this breaking, Moses dies and Joshua takes them in, and then the giants in the land and all of that whole story. And I had always sat there with my family. It was like, that was the analogy God was always using. Um, now during this time, my dad was, had kind of fallen into a sleep, into a slumber, uh, I guess. I don't know if you would even call it that, but, um, that I, but he had made this comment one time that at the yellow house, he was in this, we had this little trailer on the side for, for business that they did. And he would be in there and he would be reading the Bible and, and he doesn't really remember this this much, but I remember him saying, God told me he was going to take me into a desert. And I remember thinking immediately, wow, Lord, you've always taught me about this desert. And then he said 40 and it was 40 years. And the way that the Holy Spirit began to wake our family up, uh, it all marked about identically at that 40 year mark. And I think that was last year ended the 40 years. So, I know that that's a lot to take in and we'll be kind of carrying that story through. But my question for you, dad, here is when you drove away from the yellow house in Diana, Texas, what did you think you were heading out to accomplish? Looking and then, so there's two parts. What do you think you were heading out to accomplish? And then looking back, what do you think God was planning for you? That's a tough one because we're going back a long ways now. 
but I remember having an excitement of where's God taking us? Where is God taking us? We're going on a journey. That's probably what the Egyptians thought when they came out with plundered, plundered every, the Israelites about the Egyptians, they had plundered and they were, they were going out to the desert and they were excited with everything they had. And I thought I was going out to conquer the world for God. I, I, I really believe that. I felt it in my bones. This is it. He's going to use me. Well, he did, but he used me against myself. He used me against myself. That's hard to understand. It's hard to complain. I complain, explain, excuse me. Sometimes my uh, mouth is a little slower than my brain. I had a desire for God that I couldn't even understand. I had a desire for God, and I thought he was going to use me. He did, but not in the way that I thought I should be used. You know, we all have our little plans on, well, if I could do this or do that, I would do that. Well, I had all those things, too. But the underlying deal, and this is stepping back to where Cass was talking about things that have been passed down to you, that we have no control over getting passed on. We have control over stopping them. Because I come from poverty and have been beat down, somewhere about four years later, I decided I wanted to get rich. And I was swept away with the world. I was swept away from the world. And I know I'm going to throw a little tidbit in here. This is free, no cost. If you remember Demas from the Old Testament, he was one of Paul's buddies. He even, one of the letters he closed, Demas and the rest of them, they, you know, they send their hi to you or however you want to explain it. Then you read on a few more books, and Paul's telling Timothy, come to me, hurry. Everyone has deserted me. Even Demas has deserted me. Because where did Demas go? He said, Demas loved the world. He went back to the world. Don't think you're safe. Do not think you're safe. There was a man that walked with the Apostle Paul. He walked with him for several years. He heard him preach. He saw miracles. And yet, he turned at one point the love for the world. There is a spirit of the world. Contrary to what a lot of people believe or admit, there is the spirit of the world. The scripture speaks to that. I bought into it. And it almost destroyed me. And it did a horrendous amount of damage to my family, my two daughters, and my wife. Hmm. 
So you set out excited about an adventure, excited about what was in store. You were young, you were on fire, you had your family, right? You didn't have a family like that even growing up. So there was this excitement that you you were blessed and highly favored, right? Like, Correct. look at me, exactly. I am, right? You, that, and, and then that, there is truth to that to an extent, right? So looking back, you, you said, I said, what do you think God was planning for you? And you, um, you said that he was, you know, you went out and ultimately kind of pursued within, it took about four years and you were, you were here. You know, some people would say, well, were you in church? Were you connected enough? Well, that was your downfall. Uh, but I, I like to say that uh, there is a deep work that is able to take place when the Father calls you out of something and into a new land. And it is can be hard to take place when you are sitting in a church for 20 years, journeying and facing the same people every single day or Sunday and maybe on Wednesday um, because we got to show face. But when he draws you out and he says, I'm taking you to this land, uh, follow me even though you don't really hear those words maybe, right? And you, you even if he tricks you a little bit, <laughs> uh, and you say, all right, let's go, you're right. Um, there is a deep work uh, that takes place. And, and I think that for you, you know, dad watching, that, that was what that labor looked like of being able to set, Right, the authority that comes with um, being purged and purified and pruned, and and uh, and what that offers your your children, the true work of that refining. Uh, so, looking back, what do you think God was planning for you? I mean, I kind of said it in a nutshell that I think that that's what was taking place in those 40, 40 years. It. Uh... It definitely was. As as I look back now, even on a daily basis, I have writings of things God started teaching me in 1990. And when I walked away to get rich because I fell for the scheme, just like many of you probably have to. I wanted to get rich. I just wanted to get rich. But I used all the verses that you hear. God will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you everything you want. Just ask. To a certain extent, that's truth. But what God has told me in the last little bit, and Cassie, you and I, and Dan, who's Cassie's husband, we're speaking this morning, he gives us the desires of our heart a lot of times, and they destroy us because the desires in our heart were not his desires. But he's a perfect gentleman. He let us go. 
He let us go. And if you don't think God will let you go and give you over to your desires, <sighs> well, we're going to get into a lot of this later on in these episodes. God has clearly shown me in Scripture where we have run amok. As in the body of Christ. Where in we the have body of Christ. And, run amok. and it's all scriptural. It's not some revelation of some light flashing in my room at midnight and someone standing there. It's where he took me through the scriptures. And, and I want to get in again. I know that there are women that are going to be listening. And maybe you have a father. And, of course, maybe you could take this to him or, 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 or check it or not or whatever. But the, the, the women that are listening, um, we are deeply connected to our earthly fathers. Uh, whether you want it, we want to admit it or not. Um, I know there was a time where that rejection route came in between my dad and I, and he had it had us so far divided. Uh, but the Holy Spirit, he really d- does long for reconciliation. He wants first us to be reconciliated with him. Uh, but but if it could be, he would love to see uh, fathers and daughters and mothers and daughters and sisters and brothers uh, to be reconciled. Um, but I, and I know that that is not always the case. And I absolutely not none of us act, uh, are beyond ignoring abuse uh, or any of that. And I'm a firm believer of boundaries. Uh, but this relationship with my father and I by the mercy and grace of the Father, yes. was has become reconciled. And I do believe it started a lot with that prayer, let my, you know, to pray that his children, my mom and dad's prayer, that their children would be, would know true freedom. And I think, and that was financial freedom, emotional freedom, spiritual freedom. I, I think that freedom, uh, mental freedom, right? Uh, how, how many mental quote-unquote disorders of, of, of torment but uh, you know it's labeled this mental illness or anxiety and all of these things and, and I don't I know it's not taken lightly uh, these are really deep serious things that the body of Christ is dealing with okay dad as we're going to be wrapping up because uh, I have let this flow naturally, but I, I, we're at 46 minutes. So, but I want to um, really quick, I have just two questions. And if we can somehow, um, whew, man, there's some good ones here. Um, but let's save that. Uh, what? Let's do this one. What would you say to the newly saved dad or mom, a a first generation or even second generation follower of Christ, maybe it's someone that just hasn't even dove into these kind of topics or this conversation, right? But they have little ones that they love. Um, and they are, they have had that repentance, that salvation, they're a follower of Christ, setting out to do life as a young family. What would you say to them? Mm hmm. Oh, that's a tough one because when you first start out on anything, even a new job, everything is new. When you have children, that's a new experience, especially the first one, or you just have two. You're in your 20s. 30s, 40s, could be. Yeah, could be, but you know, a lot are in their 20s there. They haven't even experienced life, and they have been given the job of raising 
a good person. And I tell people a lot of times, I tell them, if you want to change the world, and we, we cannot even bring God into the situation. That's a terrible thing to say. But listen, if you raise a person better than you are to be a better citizen, a person, you'll change the world. You will change the world by just raising your children to be better than you. So if you're a devout Christian and you're, you are earnestly working as hard as you can to hear God and do the right thing, what happens when you raise a person better than you? Now they're going to have an impact on the world and they're going to have an impact on Christianity. In the kingdom. So you've done something there by raising a person better than you. You've cured two problems. We've got little ones creeping in into the playroom next door, so you might be hearing a little bit of that. It's we've been holding them back really well. Dad, I like I like that. If if you are a devout Christian and a follower of Christ and then and just filled with the Holy Spirit and really allowing that. But the thing is, is there's that work being done in you while you're raising them. Exactly. And it's messy. It's messy it's so messy uh, i think that um oftentimes can continue to allow allow his grace to cover the mess um and welcoming and continuing with that just forgiveness and um open welcoming him into your heart to to clean things up that you can't see and understand okay uh last question for those for those who have been called and chosen in this generation as followers of christ jesus what are two things, one, two, whatever, what, what, toss out something that you would recommend they do to get out of the wrong theology or doctrines that would fast track their faith lineage? And I'm bringing this in because we're going to kind of start talking about this slightly a little bit about theology doctrines that are out there. Um, with, you know, I mentioned Jude, well, uh, he was coming in to talk and say and warn about these false prophets and these false doctrines and these false, th this false thinking that wasn't lining up. And so here you, you know, part of your journey was stepping out, uh, being called out of the Southern Baptist church. Um, and so what would you say for those who have been sitting in church? Maybe they're questioning, they're feeling stuck, they, uh, they have been trying to raise their family. They're not getting ahead like they think that maybe they should. And I don't necessarily mean financially. I mean these problems that keep occurring and going on constantly or whatever. Maybe they're following certain voices or they're, they're, they've clung to a certain doctrine that they've heard. What would you offer that father or that father and mother and what would you recommend to them that could possibly be a golden gem a nugget that would fast track their faith in their lineage of course i was going to say the first thing this is the first thing but there isn't a first thing there's a first thing is different for all of us we're in a different situation so the first thing that i need to do may be the fourth thing you need to do a husband and wife need to be completely committed, period. End of the story. 
if you're not completely committed to each other and to raising your children, then you may or may not make it. It'll be according to God's grace. Remember, he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. And I shared with a, a, a girl yesterday. This is amazing. Uh, she was tired of her life. She wanted it to change. She didn't know what to do. She was getting ready to go back to church and go to the confessional. And I said, you don't need that. Do you know Jesus Christ? And within about 15 minutes, I talked to her. My wife led her to the Lord right in our house in the middle of the day. So you need to be committed. And the commitment there is it wasn't me. I spoke to her and explained to her Jesus. And then my wife stepped in and she finished it. We were committed. If you're both not committed, then the wife would have been watching the soap opera or she'd have been off doing her nails. But we were there and we have learned this. We've butted heads. We butt heads continuously. Do I mean fight? No. But we do butt heads. We have different opinions on some things. But we're united in Christ. We're united in our daughters. We're united in our granddaughters. So unity. You have to have the unity. And then you have to have, what would we call it? If you're playing football, we call it stanima. You have to see it through. You cannot walk off. There's no turning back. When you turn back, you wind up on a 40-year journey like I did. When you switch plans in the middle of a plan, without anyone telling you other than you decided to switch the plan. So you have to stay there. You have to see it through. And believe me, I am seeing results that I could not believe. I have two daughters that are not in poverty. They're financially secure. They're raising their daughters. Excellent. I look at them sometime and, and think how good, and then I step back and say, hey, you had a hand in that. You raised them. So I have a hand in my granddaughters. Commitment. Commitment to each other, and then the commitment to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the commitment. So then, and I and those are all good things that I couldn't have even thought about. So then, to test what you're being taught, to test those doctrines, to test that theology, um, so that. But I love those those three things right there, um, and to and the commitment to Him that you would even bring these things back to the Word, and and test them for for truth. Okay, Dad, we are 55 minutes in, and I think we've laid a great foundation as far as what you brought in. Um, and we cannot neglect that my mother's role in a lot of this. We're going to be talking more about her role um, and that honestly, probably my dad and I wouldn't be here today recording this had it not been 
for my mother's prayers and the gifts that he used um, in in her and through her during um, a lot of those years. So, um, but for today, I think that this is a great place to wrap up and close. Uh, we did mention a challenge, and so I want to bring in. I'm going to be completing a, a little sheet, and it's going to have a tree on it. Um, I haven't quite designed it yet. It's in my head a little bit. But this was this was my dad's idea. And, you know, in the beginning we said, who Christ sets free is free indeed. And so I want you to write down your definition of freedom. After we have had this conversation, as you've looked at your own family tree, and I'm going to have that workshop or worksheet, I want you to begin to really think through what was carried um, in your parents' life that some of it may have been broken and maybe some of it isn't. Uh, so I would love to uh, for you to kind of brainstorm that, uh, maybe where you're even at now, what he's taking you through and what you'll be growing out of because that sanctification is really on ongoing until we make it to heaven, the renewing. Um, Okay, so write down your definition of freedom. And at the end of our time, whenever we have our last episode, I want you to see, or we want you to look at, has that definition changed any? Um, all right, friends. So uh, as we wrap up today, we will be back and we'll be, what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be, I see in second episode a little bit about apathy, apathy that's in the body of Christ. I and can speak on that for hours. Yeah, the apathy that has settled in, uh, the lack of interest or concern, um, especially regarding matters of generation, general importance, um, and what would be important would be, would be God's will. So we're going to be speaking into apathy, um, how it enters, uh, and we're going to be focusing on, again, the Bible verse, Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied or they will be filled. And so we're going to be kind of diving in a little bit more until that. Thank you for hanging in with us on this first uh, conversation and diving in on this first episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Thank Dad. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. We're excited. We'll talk to you guys in this next coming up episode.